Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. Since God is patient with us, we need to be patient with one another, and we need to give each other space and time to grow. And as I said, especially in this cultural moment, because we're living in a time when it seems like so many are so quick to judge. That's just kind of like the environment that we live in. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the book of Acts. Join us as Pastor Brian begins his teaching on Acts, chapter 10, verses 24 through 34, in a message titled, What God Has Cleansed, Do Not Call Unclean. Now, here's Pastor Brian. As some of you will know, we're, we're kind of going back again over some of the ground that we've already covered. And... Quite honestly, I did not want to do this today. I, I was really kind of wanting myself to move on. I want to you know, keep going through the text of Acts, move on to the next thing. But I, I have to tell you that I felt, I really felt compelled by the Lord. Like, no, you need to camp out here for a bit. And there's still more things that you need to consider from this story. And so that's why we're coming back to it. We're, we're, we're looking again at Acts chapter 10. That'll be really kind of our main text. But I included, as you can see, I, can, I, I included Galatians chapter 2 because it's relevant to what we want to look at. But, but what I want us to know is that the issues that surrounded Peter's going into the house of Cornelius, remember Cornelius was a Roman centurion, um, so Peter goes into the house of Cornelius, and, and with that act, the gospel is crossing over into the Gentile world. These issues are of such importance, and they're, they're still important for us today. And so I want to look at how they, they apply to us. We, we applied it a little bit last time, but I want to apply it in a bit of a different direction today. But I want to start with this. Who was Peter? Now, most of us kind of have an idea of who... Peter was, but what I want us to see uh, simply, first and foremost, that, that Peter was, as we would all kind of assume, I mean, you know, Peter was like a solid Christian. You know, he was a guy, there, there wasn't any doubt in anybody's mind uh, whether or not Peter was a true believer, right? And, and if we just take a quick look at his history, that will just affirm that. So, First of all, Peter was one of three men who were the closest to Jesus. So Jesus had an inner circle, and that inner circle was made up of Peter, James, and John. And usually when those three are referred to, that's the order that they're referred to in. And so Peter was part of that inner circle. He's the, he's the only person other than Jesus to walk on water. Think about that. Peter walked on water. Every time I go to Israel and we have our stop at the Sea of Galilee and I usually wake up early in the morning and I'm looking out at the sea and I'm always amazed like, wow, this body of water, two people walked on this. Now, people don't walk on water, right? This doesn't happen anywhere on any body of water, but two people walked on this body of water. One of them was the son of God, so we can kind of understand that, but the other was a sinner named Peter. He walked on water. Peter was the first one to acknowledge that Jesus was the Messiah, the son of the living God. 
Jesus asked that question, who do men say that I am? And there were various opinions. And then, then he said, but who do you say that I am? And it was Peter who spoke up and said, you're the, you're the Messiah. You're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, he said, flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you, but my father in heaven. Peter was then given by Jesus the keys to the kingdom. And we see that he, he exercised that authority that Jesus gave him. He was the first one to preach the gospel after the resurrection and the ascension of Jesus. He preached, as we know from Acts chapter 2, on the day of Pentecost. And on that day, 3,000 souls were brought into the kingdom. Uh, he was the first one of the apostles to perform a miracle a post-resurrection ascension miracle. Peter, you remember the, the man uh, there in chapter three, the lame man at the gate, beautiful. Peter says, silver and gold we do not have in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And that man was healed. Peter was the one responsible for that. He was the first one apart from Jesus to raise someone from the dead. We briefly mentioned that in our last study there in the, the end of the ninth chapter. It talks about Tabitha or her Greek name Dorcas and how she had died and uh, Peter raised her from the dead. And so now we see here in the story again, Peter is now, he's the one to take the gospel to the Gentiles. So as we look at Peter, one of the things that we can learn is that even as a Christian, a solid, genuine, spirit-filled Christian, we can still at times be influenced and controlled by deeply ingrained prejudices that are inconsistent with the heart and the mind of Christ. That, that's what we see if we look closely at this. Now, again, one of the reasons why I'm coming back to this is because that truth kind of just kept coming up in my thinking over the week. Because here's what happens. Uh, sometimes when we see an inconsistency or we see something that it's like, well, wait a second, you know, how, how could that person be a Christian if they said that or thought that or did that? You know, if, if we think that way, then we fail to recognize that you genuinely can be a Christian, but God's not finished with us. We're all in a process and we can still hold on to baggage that the Lord is going to free us of as time goes on. And what we see in the story here is that God will address our prejudices and he does so in order to uproot them from our lives. So what is the prejudice we're talking about? Well, remember here in verse 28, Peter, he is hesitant. He is reluctant to step across the threshold into the house of Cornelius he says, look, you know how unlawful it is for, for a man who is a Jew to go into the house of those of another nation. Now, as I pointed out previously, that wasn't a, it wasn't a law according to God's word, but it was a strong tradition among the Jews. And so Peter, even though he's all of these other things, even though he is the, this apostle, he's, he's God's man. He still has these areas, and even, I'm sure for him, probably undetected until this moment, or until the, uh, the you know, previous day when he had the, the vision, suddenly he realizes himself like, wow, you know, <laughs> I have a bit of an aversion to the Gentiles. But here's the good news. 
God doesn't cast him away for that. God doesn't say, Peter, I can't use you because, you know, you've got this, this stuff ingrained in you. No, God patiently walks him through a process to bring him to the place where those things are being dealt with. Those things are being uprooted from his life. And so this is what we see here. We see God patiently walking him through it. He gives him the vision. Now, most of you probably remember Previous to coming to the house of Cornelius, he, all of this started with Peter being in Joppa. He has a vision of a, of a sheet being let down with all these animals on it. The voice speaks to him, rise, Peter, kill and eat. Peter says, not so, Lord. I've never eaten anything unclean. Jesus says, what, what God has cleansed, do not call unclean. And so Peter has this revolutionary revelation. Wow. You know, the, the message that Peter took away was, the Gentiles, I'm not to think of them or call them unclean any longer. So God, you know, patiently works him uh, through that process and brings him to this place. But as we saw in Galatians, Peter relapses. So a little while later, he's kind of drifted back into some of those things because that's how we are. Things can get so deeply rooted in our hearts that they, they have to be expelled, but you know, there's the, there's the process like we've seen initially, but then in the Galatians passage in Antioch, we see that God was a little more forceful with Peter and he uses his servant, Paul. And there, as Paul says, I rebuked Peter to his face. Now that's a little different than having a vision, a vision coming down. That's a kind of a private thing between God and Peter. God saying, Peter, you got issues in your heart. We're going to deal with them. Let me show you. Peter's like, okay, I got it. But then he forgets it. So the Lord's like, okay, well, hey, Paul, confront Peter. That's a little more challenging because now Peter is kind of exposed and he's, he's sort of being publicly called out on this prejudice that he has in his heart. But as a result of that, I think it's safe to say that Peter never regressed back into that again. Peter, um, as we just follow him through the rest of the book of Acts, if we read his epistles, it becomes clear that that was an issue that, that was dealt with and he moved on and he completely got it and un understood. So we need to realize that that God patiently works us through these things. And, and we really need to understand that, I think, in the, in the current cultural moment. So since God is patient with us, we need to be patient with one another, and we need to give each other space and time to grow. And as I said, especially in this cultural moment, because we're living in a time when it seems like so many are so quick to judge, uh, to condemn, and to write off those who have fallen short of their standard of righteousness. That's it's just kind of like the environment that we live in currently. You know, think about this. If this story, if, if this were a contemporary story that made its way onto Facebook or Twitter, you can be sure that Peter would have been roundly condemned and written off by some who call themselves Christians as a bigot, a racist, a hypocrite. I mean, that, you know, that's the environment that we find ourselves in today. 
It's almost like, you know, any area uh, of disagreement is uh, immediately jumped on. And there, there's no tolerance for any diversity of opinion. It's just like, you got to agree with me. And if you don't, then you're this and that and the other thing. And it's not just people in the world that are engaging in that. Believe me, plenty, plenty of Christians are doing the same thing. And so that's why this situation here is important. It's important for us to see that God gives us space and room to grow. And we have got to give the same thing to each other. We've got to do that. Now, here's a question that I want us to consider. And we're going to need to consider it in two ways. We're going to need to consider it personally and individually. That's one way. And we're also going to need to consider it collectively as a church, as a congregation, as a body of people. We need to consider this question on, on both levels. And here's the question. What are some of our deep-seated prejudices that might hinder or limit or prevent God's work in somebody else's life? That's a question that we have to ask ourselves. Because it's entirely possible that that is happening. And it's quite possible like we see with Peter initially, that we could be harboring those things that are, are going to really hinder somebody's progress, but we don't even know it. I, I don't think Peter even realized before he had the vision that he still had this issue. And then when he gets to the house of Cornelius, he says, you know, this is unlawful, but God has shown me. So you see, he understood. No, God, God showed him that those, those attitudes were wrong. So we might have things you know, so, sort of just so deeply ingrained in us, we don't even realize that we have those biases. We don't even realize that we have those prejudices. But, but they're really there, and they can then become a hindrance to the progress of the gospel. If, if those kinds of things are among us as, as a church, then those are the kinds of things that are going to cause us to, to kind of shut the doors to certain people, to, to send a message to some people that, you know, well, you're not really welcome in this situation. So, so we've got to ask ourselves uh, this question. Now, I want to tell you a story, a true story that happened just this past week. So this past week, you know, uh, past, this past Sunday, if you were here, we, we looked at these passages. We talked about similar kinds of things. And we talked about the issue of racism, and we referenced Billy Graham, who kind of stood against the flow in his day when he did not allow segregation at the Crusades. Uh, Billy would later say that he, he regretted not doing more. But, but anyway, our point was, you know, racism is still a reality, and we, we still have to, to make sure that we're not carrying any of that baggage around with us. And that, that's not being a hindrance. We talked a little bit about, you know, looking back in time, we talked about how when God poured out his spirit and, and the hippies came in, how many churches were not all that excited to, to welcome them in, how Pastor Chuck opened the doors and, you know, he, he embraced them. And, and, you know, we talked about that. But, you know, after the service, a young man who I know, we had a conversation and he said, you know, today you really... He said, I just felt like you, you just completely avoided. He didn't use the term the elephant in the room, but you know, that's 
basically what, what he was talking about. You completely avoided the real issue today. Yeah, racism's still an issue. The hippie thing is kind of not an issue anymore. I mean, you could find some parallels. But he said, you know, the, the real issues today have to do with the LGBT people, with the gay and the trans community. And I said, you know what? You're right. It's true. That's, that is a huge issue in our culture today, right? I mean, it's, it's just a reality that's staring us in the face every single day. And I said, now, I, you know, I wasn't intentionally not wanting to address it. I was figuring that people could read between the lines, but yeah, we need to talk about this because there, there's a parallel, I think, in with this issue and the kinds of things that we're talking about here with, with Peter. But let me tell you, as I was talking to this person, you know, this, this is what he said to me. He said, you know, and, and this, this is a person who's been here at the church for some time. And, you know, he's kind of come in and out a little bit. But he said, you know, I, I feel awkward. I feel um, misunderstood. And, you know, basically he was saying, you know, in some sense I feel unaccepted. And, you know, and, and this is what he said that really struck me. He said, I don't have a home. He kind of pointed away from the church. He said, I don't have a home out there, and I don't feel like I have a home here. And I said, listen, you got a home here. <laughs> Whatever we have to do to, to, to work through this, let, let's work through this, because that cannot be the thing that you feel here, that no, you, you need to know that this is a place that you can come and be honest and yet know that you're not going to be rejected for your honesty and, and you're going you're to get the help that you need to continue to move forward in your relationship with the Lord. And so this is, this is a real thing that not just we as a congregation, but many churches you know, have to address this issue because I personally think that whether it's, I don't think it's limited to, you know, just individuals, but I think there, there are many churches that have these kind of ingrained prejudices that sort of, you know, then manifest themselves in not so much verbally saying, you know, we don't welcome you, but, but that, that is kind of co communicated or that, that's the, the sense that people get. And, and God help us not to be those people. God help us to give each other grace and space to grow beyond our ingrained prejudices. God, give us grace and space to grow beyond, you know, the, the sins that have bound us up. See, that, that's, that's the people that we need to be. Because these doors need to be open to every single person in the world. Every sinner who wants to come and find the Savior or to inquire about or to get some kind of an understanding, everyone needs to know that they can walk through these doors and they're going to be welcome to come in. Everyone needs to know that. And if we don't know that, I mean, if, they, you know, if that's not our mentality, then, then we're missing the point of the gospel. This is what the gospel is about. The gospel, as we pointed out before, Paul says, look, I'm the chief of sinners, and 
Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. That's what he came in to do. And all kinds of sinners, every sinner. There's, there's not one category of sinner that is, uh, you know, more lost or, you know, would be on the reach of God. And, and so I, I want to talk about that for a second because this is a reality whether we like it or not. And here's the question, though. Why do we tend to see homosexuality differently than we see other sins? Because we do. <laughs> whether we're going to admit it or not, we do. Now, I'm kind of speaking broadly, obviously. Not, not everybody is like this. But I think generally speaking, in the church, there, there is this, you know, we, we have been guilty, I believe, and I've been guilty of it in the past, of, of just sort of putting this in, in kind of its own category. Now, why do we do that? That's the question. Well, I think we do that for a number of reasons, but I'm going to give you two. Two that I think are important to understand that will help us get beyond that. We have... I believe, misunderstood certain words and we've misunderstood certain Bible text. Uh, we've, we've misunderstood words and we've misunderstood Bible text. So let's talk about words for a moment. I want to talk about this word, a, a loaded word, abomination. Man, when you hear about abomination, don't you just like, wow, that's an abomination. You know, that's bad. That's like really bad. You know, an abomination is really bad. And I have heard this over and over and over again. And I still hear it. But you know, homosexuality is an abomination before God. Another way to translate that word, the NIV translates it detestable. That's a strong word too. So man, when you think of, well, this is an abomination. This is detestable. The idea that we are either embracing or communicating when we use that term the idea is that this is like the worst of the worst of the sins. But here's the problem. That's not really an accurate understanding of the word abomination. And the best way to understand abomination, I think, in its broadest and, and most accurate sense is found. There, there are many other places that we could look at it, but I'm just going to look for just a second with us at Proverbs 6, verses 16 through 19. And this is what it says. These six things the Lord detest. Yes, seven are an abomination to him. So Proverbs is going to tell us right here seven things that are an abomination to the Lord. So here we go. The first one is a proud look. What? I mean, I kind of look Proud all the time. You mean, what, is that, 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 that's an abomination? Yes, a proud look is an abomination. Secondly, a lying tongue. Well, a, a lying tongue? Whoa, wait a minute. That, that, that can't be an abomination. We, we all lie all the time, right? Hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift and running to evil, a false witness who speaks lies, and one who causes division among brothers. These things are an abomination. But you see, here's my point. We don't walk around going, look at that proud guy. He is an abomination before God. <laughs> or, you know, that woman, man, she lies. She is an abomination. We don't do that, do we? We reserve that word. So we, we completely misunderstood the word. And we reserved it for that one sin that we think that this is the worst because, after all, God said it's an abomination. So you see, that's a misunderstanding of the word. 
you know what? It's obvious that, that all sins are an abomination to God. There's not one sin that he says, these are bad, but man, this one is an abomination. There, there, there is no such thing. For the month of April, Back to Basics Radio is offering a book titled 10 Questions Every Teen Should Ask and Answer About Christianity by Rebecca McLaughlin. The youth of today's culture, both Christian and non-Christian alike, wrestle with the issues of racism, universal truth, identity, science and faith, sexuality and suffering, just to name a few. These are essential topics that any parent, grandparent, guardian or friend should help the next generation answer. The book, 10 Questions That Every Teen Should Ask and Answer About Christianity by Rebecca McLaughlin is our gift to say thank you for your donation to Back to Basics. So we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the book of Acts. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.